0: Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to look at the economics of 2023 and what we saw as far as mortgage rates, home prices, inventory, and the supposed recession. Logan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Welcome. And we're doing this on December 21st, so we all got our Santa gear on. Yes, got my Santa tats going for today.
0: I have the traditional Santa shark uh, sweater on, you know, just like it's just like the lobster that showed up at baby Jesus's uh, manger in uh, Love Actually. So I've got the shark on. Uh, you've got something that looks like uh, you're wearing ov- Santa overalls. So that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but no, this is great because this is going to air on the 26th. And I'm really excited about this, especially because we're going to talk, Logan, about 2023. So. Uh, the very last podcast of the year, which I think will be going live on the first, you and I are going to be talking about 2024, but right now it is time to wrap up 2023. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? What did other, what, what happened this year?
1: I, You know, I, I take everything back to November 9th of 2022. And I think what it was like something like 85 to 100% Economists or people polled thought the recession was going to happen in 2023. So one of the things that I started to do late 2022 and early 2023 is that a lot of people, which is correct, actually, to use a model like this, is that housing leads the economy into a recession. But that's also predicated on the new home sales sector falling so much that they have to fire construction workers, right? So employment goes down for that. And uh, you, you know, I recently just did a, a podcast with uh, Downtown Josh Brown talking about the builders and that. So I think what happened l- late last year and early 2023, just from a Wall Street or economic perspective, the builders' confidence data started to rebound. So one of the things I asked everyone on social media, especially on X slash uh, uh, Twitter, is that if the if you took the builders' confidence surveys down for the recession. Now that it's come up, are you taking a recession call off? Nobody answered because I think everyone was stuck deer in the headlights, right? So they they, they didn't know what was going on with the housing market. They just naturally assume U.S. recession, home prices are crashing. We're going to lay off a bunch of... And the market turns so fast on them. And we're sitting here like today, the builder stocks have just rallied so much from November 9th. And I think that... If people would go back and then look at that period of time and think, well, I use this as a recessionary indicator, it turned and I didn't do anything about it. I think that a lot of recession calls were based on this happening. And if you're using construction employment, which would be correct, and the builder's confidence rose and you didn't realize there was a backlog and a lot of completions weren't happening, stuff like that. Then I think just in general, uh, the, the... the big thing that a lot of people got wrong was the recession because they went into the recession without the labor market breaking. So if you want to do that and the year goes on and the growth rate of inflation falls and the labor market today's Thursday, jobless claims good again, right? In theory, right in front of your face before Christmas, a soft landing happened because the growth rate of inflation fell And the jobless claims data didn't break. So I think that was the big mistake. And this is why I always say to tell people that you have to track live weekly data because dynamics could turn so much so fast that you don't want to be the person that just sits there and just keeps on doubling, tripling, or quadrupling down and not acknowledging that the data got better. So that's why I think uh, if you go into the recession, you've got to have that inflection point with the labor market data. And whatever your models is, that's fine, but have something to work with. So you're not sitting here 12 months going into Christmas trying to be the Grinch and everybody's opening their presents and, you know, employment's still good. So I think that to me was the big thing. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, uh, the Gandalf line, right? Uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Uh, Early in the year, I did not think the ten-year yields could break under three point three seven percent until the labor market broke. So a lot of people had lower mortgage rates going into twenty twenty-three based on a recession. I saw a lot of people trying to make up stuff about the labor market that it isn't as strong as they thought it was. Then all of a sudden, the ten-year yield tested it eight times, didn't break. That to me is the bond market. Yeah, it's not breaking. We, We we tested it. We're going, but we're not going underneath another recession premise. I know the height of the banking crisis was was really uh, uh, pushing people that direction, but it didn't happen in the 10-year yield rose, as it should have, right? With an economy expanding and where the growth rate uh, uh, of inflation was. Uh, I, I think I go back, uh, if I look back in 2023, was the initial recession call and then just going along with it and not acknowledging that some of the data lines that took people there got better and just... L- Letting that go and not making adjustments on that.
0: So, what what was your recession call for 2023? So, I know way back in 2022, is you, you started talking no about
1: recession. In,
0: you had you started talking yeah, about your six. Recession no
1: recession until that's the key. That's why I always tell people: have your labor data when labor breaks. Because in the previous expansion, what I saw is that everyone had a recession theory, and there was literally no six recession red flags. My recession red flag, I mean August fifth, good to go, but. The two differences this time around, demographics are different. The labor market's different. That was the whole job openings, 10 million. Can you actually have an authentic recession with job openings above 7 million? And jobless claims data was still good until jobless claims break. This is why I always say you have to track weekly data because then you have to go through this trying to defend the recession's not happening. And then you have to have something to fall back on, right? That's why I always say jobless claims is breaking jobless claims. Jobless claims was getting softer Then July came. And then the jobless claims data went the other way, right? It started to go lower. GDP went 5%, you know, in the third quarter. That's not recessionary, right? So have, have a labor data that gives you that final uh, a break. And that's how it's always worked post-World War II. That claims data, that's why I always focus on jobless claims, 323,000, 323. Until that breaks, don't do it. And we're sitting here and that's what happened. I just think everybody wants to be that person to say, I told you so. And you don't get discounted as a fraudulent grifter if you if you just stick with it. It's a lag, it's a lag, it's a lag, it's a recession, everybody's broken, and all of a sudden here we are sitting here. And I tell you, Sarah, I, I think it's actually working because it has been so quiet for me on social media. It's like, is anybody out there? Hello. Like usually I get bombarded. 30 or 50 times a day, ah, oh, this is happening. And now it's like, you know, because the one data line, jobless claims, again, today, uh, headline is back on oh, near 200,000. So it's just, it's hard on a historical basis to have the, a recession if jobless claims doesn't break up higher. And I've hopefully, if there's one economic lesson that I try to teach this year, it's that one. Don't go there until claims breaks.
0: And just to clarify, when you were talking about August, you were talking about 2022, correct?
1: Yes. August 5th, 2022. The uh, conference board that we gave the presentation, we gave the six recession red flag model. Here it is. Once this happens, we could be on recession watch, but household balance sheets are different. The America has the 30-year fixed mortgage. No matter how many times we show these charts, time and time again, nobody believes it. We have people that say FICO score uh, is uh, artificially inflated. No, it's not. Homeowners have looked the same for 13 years. It's just that we had a surge in demand with refinances and purchases. So people think that's FICO score uh, inflation. It isn't. And Sarah, why do we do this? Because reading is a good thing. If people just read about that, they would know that. They would not think that it was a massive fraudulent inflationary better scores, everyone's really struggling. And that's why we always try to get people to read because the history of human civilization has taught us this. There are groups and cults that don't read, so they don't have the knowledge to think that every person who has a really good FICO score and a lot of equity, are not they're not foreclosing on their houses. So reading is a good thing. That's a, another thing about 2023. Reading came back. We brought sexy back in reading, and it was such an advantage for those that did read, and it was such a disadvantage for those that didn't read but again my, my thing is my thing is that we we believe in reading we believe in math facts and data the rest of storytelling and what we what we try to emphasize is that you know if the if if i was wrong on the shifting of the uh, housing market on november 9th then what would have occurred is that existing home sales would have kept on going lower crashing inventory would have kept on rising new home sales would have kept on crashing builders confidence kept on falling we would have fired uh, construction employment job labor market then breaks and now we're talking about how many people are losing their jobs that didn't happen right and the data was trying to tell you that and i and understand things are so wild now that the swings and flows like 10 years from now i'm going to write a book about this and that the velocity of economic data that's usually very stable took some wild swings and can lead people to extreme positive and extreme bearish takes. And then eventually over time, it balances out. And we're trying to find that balancing out. And I think a lot of people just got caught on the upper downside uh, uh, and not realize it. we eventually go back to the norm. Uh, uh, and that's what we're still working on. And I think a lot of flagging data lines like manufacturing data was been in a recession and it's just not it's just not the we're not laying off people like we used to. There's a lot of deficit spending governments come in. So there's there's a lot of things that are just so unique about this. And hopefully 2023 taught us that and the same thing's gonna go for the next 2024, 2025, 2026. Until the labor market breaks with jobless claims, don't go there. And I think that's that's the good lesson to learn about 2023.
0: Let's talk about home prices, because home prices is something that is, I think, surprised everyone. And I would harken back to a couple years ago when that was your biggest concern was if we didn't get higher uh, mortgage rates, home prices would, would advance too far. And in fact, they blew your four-year, five-year model out in what, two years?
1: Two years, yeah. The whole The whole thing was that we will be okay with housing demand as long as home prices don't grow above 23% five years. That's 4.6% nominal each year. So no, I, I didn't really need to care about that before because we always had enough active listings. We quite didn't have the household demographic crash. But here, there was a possibility that if inventory broke to all-time lows, we could have too many people chasing too few homes, right? So uh, uh with, with home prices, even in 2023, I talked about, listen, if rates stay above 5.875%, and housing demand keeps on going lower, we can have 59 to 7.4% nominal home price declines nationally if that trend continues. My argument has always been the market changed on November 9th. I can't show this until you until we get to March and April. You'll see it in the sales data then. Here, it's, it's the, the interesting aspect with, with home prices. A lot of incorrect takes on 2023 for home prices was based on a notion that investors drove the housing market There was massive speculation in demand. And once that demand crashes, like home sales had the biggest crash ever recorded in history in 2022. So naturally prices follow volume, right? So we had the biggest home sale crash. You have to have at least 10, 15, 20% home price declines nationally. And they just stuck there, right? So again, deer in the headlights, right? The data was changing November, December, January, didn't matter. We believe in this premise and we won't go with the live weekly data. So I think that one, you know, this is why the tracker was created. This is why I was like, I want to get the tracker started as soon as possible. I want to get that. I want to get people to start reading this stuff. And I think that's the, um, you know, keep it simple. Sales going down, inventory increasing, price cut percentages increase, right? We saw that in 2022, right? We saw inventory, you know, rise up in a very fast fashion. We saw price cut percentage rise in a very fast fashion. And then sales were crashing. My argument is that at 4 million level. Oh. So it's it's hard to really crash above there. So that hopefully now with a tracker here for a year, everyone gets that, right? So you can't break off of that model. You can't make up something. It just, it's right there. You have the entire country working all together in one model base so you go with that, and if it changes negative, prices decline. If it changes positive, prices most likely increase. So, uh, crazy marketplace, but that e- even in the wildest time in history, it still worked because the certain dynamics are still there. And again, too many people chasing too few homes, huge difference in supply compared to now than to the run up uh, in demand in 2005, and then of course by 2008. We had millions more uh, active listings, distressed sales. All these things were in place. Then the job loss recession happened. So completely different dynamics. I would argue that you take these two housing cycles. They're the biggest difference in two different housing cycles ever in U.S. history. And the data can actually show this. This is why I bring those charts out, draw those lines, right? Those black lines. If you don't want to read, right, then just look at those lines and look at the data. And it's really easy on that part.
0: Okay. So I want to clarify because um, you said we, and I think what you meant was they, when you, I mean, you said, you said we, you know, yeah, uh, we saw these and we didn't change, but you meant, I think they, so tell me about your price, what you thought for prices in 2023 and what happened.
1: And, And this is, this is the structural dynamics of having a live tracking model. Prices could only decline if the sales keep on going. So the evolution of live data if it was up to me, I would never I would never have a yearly forecast ever again. I, w- I would demolish all yearly forecasts. I would go with a live 24-7 model. I think they are... I mean, I've always had this case in mind that if you actually had a live model, you just go with it. And because if it turns, you have to t- talk about how it turns, right? So the whole thing was in question because I don't believe home sales can crash below 4 million. I haven't seen anything in over... 25 years to show this to be the case. And it it held itself. So you show people every single weekly things. And we're going to keep on doing this. This is why I tell people, you take every yearly forecast, take a paper and just throw it in the trash. That's what you should do. They are not efficient in this kind of economy. They are not efficient with these kinds of things. The previous expansion was very slow and boring. You can get them, but you cannot... Sit there and have an entire dynamic shift, and just do monthly changes or every three or four months. And if you go with live weekly data, abolish yearly forecasts. They are no good.
0: So the next time we talk, or or the time after that, we're going to talk about your twenty twenty four forecast. So you are doing a yearly- We date. are,
1: and I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell everyone. You take this forecast, and once again, take a paper. Throw it out unless you're not following a tracker. We have evolved as human beings and live, we have the ability to track everything live now. So if everything stays the same, this could happen. But if things change and think about it, think about the rationality. Do things stay static and simple and normal the entire year? No, they don't. So you have to go with it. So we set parameters, right, for the 2024 forecast, but we now have. Twelve months of the tracker in place, so everyone could visually and see and read. Oh my God! Even in the craziest time, these things have to happen for home prices to keep crashing, and these things have to change for home prices to increase. And now we, everyone, gets to read it, and I love it because that was the whole point of the tracker into uh, uh, going into twenty twenty three to give people live economic variables, home prices, economics, jobless claims, ten year yield, purchase application data, everything. And it never stops, Well, right? We all go to yes. sleep. Economics never stops.
0: I think the thing about the tracker is because you look at inventory, that can give you a really good idea. So for instance, um, you mentioned the fact that a lot of people thought there was going to be some sort of home price crash, not home sales crash, but home price crash, because all of this inventory was going to come onto the market from first, like the Airbnb crash, like people who owned multiple Airbnbs were going to have to put them- um, on the market we 're going to have millions of airbnb uh properties come, and then you know, like investors own so much and they're they're going to start losing money, so they 're going to put it on and neither one of those things was true, and neither one of those things happened
1: New listings data started to trend at the lowest levels ever recorded history after July of twenty twenty two and we were already trending at the lowest levels ever before that, so that gave you six months of a clue of what was happening. Now of course you you have to watch for deviations from it, but that wasn't the case. Um, so I, I think I think I think not understanding the new listings data and how inventory channels work really hurt a lot of people in the second half of 2022 because it was it, it was evident to the, those who tracked weeklies. Okay, we're just working with a certain crop of uh, homes out there that that isn't that much anyway. So if demand stabilizes. Wow. The whole dynamic shifted. And, and, and to, to everyone to give everyone a a little bit of leniency, 2022 was the craziest year ever. That was the craziest housing year ever. Like we had, we went, we went from six and a half million to 4 million. And again, if you don't track data, you just don't know that that 4 million level is very hard. So the switch on the data, the stabilization of home uh, sales really changed everything. And the reason I always bring that up is because we did this in 2013, 14 and 2018 and 19. When rates went up and sales went down, everyone said home prices were crashing the bubbles here in 2013, 14, didn't happen. 2018, 19, 5% mortgage rates, home prices are gonna fall 20%. And we did it again. Here was such an extreme crash, but credit channels run inventory channels. Homeowners were always doing good. They were never been forced to sell. They weren't forced to sell in COVID. They got out of forbearance. Mortgage rates going to 8% is meaningless to them unless they had to move. And if you had to move, you had to qualify to move, right? So we had a we had an extreme shock and a collapse in demand, but the inventory channel data never broke really. We had an inventory increase faster than normal. We had price cuts, but nothing into the manner that would say that would continue if rates went down and that 4 million level held. Everything I would have bet on would have absolutely gone out the window if existing home sales went from 4 million to 2 million right? And it didn't. So that's why that November 9th was created. This is why the tracker was created. So now 12 months, people could see this. And we're going to go into this with 2024, right? 2024, if demand is increasing, right? How do you have national home price crashes with sales rising? Well, you need the supply to offset the demand. You would need some kind of event. How we'll able to see it if it's in the new listings data, but we're not there yet. We'll be able to see the job loss recession when jobless claims break above 323,000 not there yet. So these things are live so everybody can get it. So we have to make sense of it all, right? If if 100% of economists were talking about recession in 2023, if the Federal Reserve had a recession in their model, right? 4.5, 4.6% unemployment rate, that's a recession. What would happen? I, I always say the 2005 bankruptcy reform laws and the 2010 qualified mortgage laws changed the entire dynamics for the U.S. housing market, but it also changed the entire dynamics for the U.S. economy. And the data can verify this all the time. You just have to believe that's true. But if there is stress, if we do see stress, we'll see it in the new listings data. We'll see it in the jobless claims data. And those things didn't break, right?
0: I think that was a really important part of this year is that you were able to say, listen, if there's this huge thing about to happen." we will see it first in the new listings data. If you're going to have millions of people who are like, I've had all these Airbnbs, now I'm not, it would it would spike or we would see it increase. And in fact, it just, it never even got to, inventory never got to the levels you were hoping to see of what was it, 11,000 to 17,000 a week or something?
1: The, the weekly, see, this is, this is one of the things that I, I got uh, uh, terribly wrong. When mortgage rates got above seven and a quarter, seven and a quarter was my peak. Uh, for 2024 or 2023. Now, of course, the spreads got worse with the banking crisis. So you add a quarter to half a percent uh, 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 on that high end range. However, once rates got above seven and a quarter, I was like, okay, we should have some weekly active inventory growth of just 11 to 17,000. That's not even a big number, but adjusting to the slope of the curve, right? So much of this, what last year discussed was the slope of the curve we should be able to get that. Did not happen once. And we're not even talking about seven and a quarter for maybe a few days and it went lower. It went to 8% and I couldn't get it one time. I was sitting there writing it on the tracker. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for this. Did not happen one time. Not one week did it happen. That to me was such a huge story. Today, it never gets any attention. Uh, uh, that the slope of the inventory curve was so slow, even with 8% mortgage rates. And then you look at the price cut percentages that during during the time where mortgage rates got to 8%, price cut percentages were 4% below 2022 levels. That is screaming something out loud, like a banshee on a microphone, right? Um, and it just shows how stable home sellers were, right? And you get something tested with 8% rates, right? And it still didn't so I think inventory at highest was like 9,600, but I said 11 to 17,000, that's it, never happened. Got that one wrong, right? Uh, the 10-year yield, four and a quarter was the peak, right? We're, we shouldn't really break above four and a quarter unless the economy is outperforming or something happened. Well, the economy outperformed in the third quarter. The Fed made a terrible mistake uh, being hawkish at that time. Bond traders rolled right over them. We got up to 5%. We talked about oh this this is very restrictive policy for now. That was the peak, right? And we see this major major decline. This is also a little bit different than what happened in uh, 2022. 2022, the Fed was still hiking. They were talking about you know needing to be more restrictive. Back then, though, the reason bond markets because this is this is a viable question. Why did mortgage rates go down then? We had so much world markets drama back then. That's why I said four and a quarter could be the peak 10-year-old could go down, but that's more the dollar was strong. London was going to lose its pension funds. There was all these dynamics and the bond market thought the Fed was going to pivot or a recession. It got that wrong, right? It got to a certain level and bounced off, but above four and a quarter, no, not not part of that forecast. So we do yearly ranges and we give channels to give people an idea. So something to work with, right? Because mortgage rates don't sit at one level for the entire time right you got to work off the bounces and why why do we do this because the data changes on these channels you go back to 2010 right whenever rates go up 10 year yield goes up demand falls whenever 10 year yield goes down rates fall demand picks up right so this is why we want to do ranges and then why is it happening try to explain to people why is mortgage rates going down why are they falling and then we could give some a better discussion about the realities cuz let's be honest here after 2010 Every recession call in America has been wrong, always. It was a global pandemic that got us into that brief recession. Every recession has been wrong for 13 years for X amount of reasons, right? The global pandemic created a very brief recession, was a very fast recovery, but even today, we've never had the labor market break in the data after 2010 outside of COVID, right? So I I urge people, follow that jobless claims data Once it breaks, it looks like every other cycle we've had, it just hasn't done that yet.
0: And for people who don't know what we're talking about with the tracker. So uh, this time last year, uh, we we were talking about what kind of data could we do every week that would be really helpful for people. So it's the 10-year yield and mortgage rates, it's purchase apps, and it's inventory. And tracking the forward-looking data gives us like, a, and, and you've laid a path over every week. And so at first we did it on Monday and then we had the banking cra- Things were changing so fast over the weekend. We started doing it on Sunday because by Monday it was old news. Then I think about four or five months ago, we started doing it on Saturdays. Cause you used to do this long Twitter thing on Saturdays. And then, and then we do the tracker and, and we're like, no, no, that should be the tracker. So um, now you, now we publish it every Saturday on housingwire.com. And it's the only thing that's published on Saturday. So it's easy to find. It's at the top of the page. And it really does lay out like what happened and why it matters. And I think that that last yes. part is really important. It,
1: it, it tells a story of what to look out for with the current data. Um, and again, it's 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 a very, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into it. I'm keeping it very simple and short for people, but the 10-year yield, mortgage rates, purchase application data, Okay, the active listings, uh, new listings data, the price cut percentages. We talk about uh, what happens with the economy, what economic reports are coming out there. Okay, and then we always highlight, you know, always make sure jobless claims not breaking above 323,000, right? Like, for example, I don't believe the Fed is pivoting. Like, there's another discussion about this. Is the Fed pivoting right now? No, the Fed overhiked and the growth rate of inflation is falling and they're just trying to correct their mistake. A pivot means okay, the labor market's breaking, they've got to change to be very proactive for the economy. So I don't see this even as a pivot because jobless claims didn't break, right? This is why I always say that that jobless claims data is so key for 2023. It'll be key to 2024. It'll be key to 2025. It'll be the key to every economic cycle we've always had. But we're at the stage where we could really focus on that. And it never cracked. (laughs) It started to get weaker at the start of the year, uh, got around to about 260,000, but it never broke 323. And the reason I have that 323 number there is job openings, labor force, unemployment rates. That is the key level to me that if it really broke above there, the labor market is broken and it held. The United States of America held right in 2023. And every week as things were progressing forward, you know, it still showed that there was no break of the economy yet.
0: Anything else? We're we're almost out of time. Anything else that you wanted to talk about? Twenty twenty three.
1: Oh, just I, I mean credit markets. Uh, and when we think of credit markets, we think of household balance sheets. And you, we do see some stress in lower FICO score Americans with auto loans. Uh, student loan debt is coming back. There's forty percent of people. People have to remember before the COVID nineteen. There's there's a big amount of people that weren't paying their student loan debts anyway. Um, let's always keep an eye. On credit data, household balance sheets, uh, 30 day late, 60 day late, 90 day late. These are the things that were big clues in the, uh, during the run up in the housing bubble years, right, when credit was deteriorating. But always remember that the general consumer itself, the bulk of the consumers, the majority of the workforce are still looking good, especially if they're homeowners. Renters, on the other hand, is, is much more problematic, especially in some sectors of the economy that are being hit harder than others. But for right now, you keep an eye on credit. If credit got tighter in the sense that uh, lending was being restrictive more, that's something to keep an eye out on for 2024. But we're not there yet. Small businesses, apartment financing is done, right? The apartment booms. The Federal Reserve hiked rates so much that it's actually preventing the production of supply now because it doesn't make sense to kind of run apartment deals anymore with construction uh, loans rates so high so these are the things we'll keep an eye on in 2024 uh, but hopefully this this last year the majority of the households that are homeowners in America that always looked good on paper uh, uh, held again right the whole forbearance crash Bros premise back in the summer of 2020 is that most of these people are, are going to get off of forbearance because they were fine anyway, right? The, the jobs rebound was going to be so fast and that these people shouldn't uh, foreclose on their homes. And again, that happened again. We just showed another version of it in 2023 that even with short-term rates rising and inflation and everything, that American homeowner, that 30-year fix created a shield both against the Fed and the growth rate of inflation.
0: Logan, thank you so much. We are out of time, and um, excited to that this is going to air on the twenty sixth. Then we'll have two more discussions, but, uh, one before the end of the year, and one on the first, the very first shiny new day of the new yes, year. Yes, we'll
1: we'll yes, we'll we'll do a twenty twenty four forecast. But God, if, if 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 I have tried to convey one thing to everyone, yeah. don't be a tree, don't be old, don't be slow. If data turns on you, don't make the same mistakes people have made since the Peloponnesian War, right? You don't want to be slow on this stuff. You want to be fast, nimble, and go with it because you don't want to be six, seven months behind and going, what happened? Don't want to be that person.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for keeping us up to date. Hope you have a great holiday and we will see you next week.